everybody, this is Eric Stahl. And I'm Daryl Scott, and welcome to Throwing Wrenches. This is the auto podcast that can't have Steve Brown on two shows in a row, but maybe we should, Daryl. We should, because he never ceases to amaze. He's always doing something cool, and I'm sure we'll have him again soon on the program to talk about his latest adventure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, and maybe. actually, the way things are going, we're stacking up some great interviews in the future. It probably won't happen as soon as it should. I don't even, I don't. Steve is doing so much stuff. The problem with Steve is... We'll have another show with him like next week. Yeah. And then he'll run off and do something else cool. He'll be like, oh, yeah, I drove to Panama and back. You know, he'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> I did the, uh, was it Carrera Panamericana yeah, yeah. by myself. Yeah, it's cool. in the GMC, one yeah. tank. No yeah. problem. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, appreciate you listening. And if you did catch our last episode, 42 with Steve Brown, it was another great interview. Highly recommend that. Of course, we might be biased. Yeah, I think so. Episode 35 was about Steve running from coast to coast on the uh, old Spanish trail. In a VinWiki event, and episode 42 was talking about Steve's cannonball run from New York to Los Angeles. Good shows, had a great time. Steve's a great guy, so that's enough about that. Go back and listen if you yeah. haven't already, okay? I'd like to say a quick thank you to the sponsors uh, that make the show possible. We have we have a couple. We have a couple. Eric, you want to kick us off? Yeah, I'll start with the first one. I know them intimately well, Daryl. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> Ford's Toyota Pekin, they've been a sponsor from, from the get-go of Throne Wrenches podcast. They're found at toyota-pekin.com. They're a family-owned small business located in the heart of Central Illinois in North Pekin. Daryl, I'm just going to I'm going to cut from the script. Yeah. We, we talk a lot about how they live the Toyota lifestyle, beautiful functional cars, 120 Radio City Drive in North Pekin. But I got I got two things to tell you. One, today, as I as I work today, I watch a a, a young lady buy maybe in her 30s buy our A91 edition Supra. It's a, the black one rolled off the showroom floor today. Okay. I was so thrilled. I'm like, oh, man, this, I love this. I, and literally my juices are flowing. It's excellent. Talking to her about NASA racing. I'm talking about the Champaign County Sports Car Club, which we'll probably have Dean on in the future. Not to plug two things at once. But then as I'm standing there talking to her about the doing all this stuff, uh-huh. what comes in on a transport but a brand-new Heritage Edition Land Cruiser, a white one. Another one. Another one. And I'm like – Oh my God! This, um, you know, I'm living. You're, li- you're living the dream. I'm living the dream. So, Ford's Toyota, they, they can provide the dream, Daryl, as you know, as a Toyota owner. Absolutely. Uh, Toyota's beautiful, functional cars that can uh, fit any lifestyle, any budget. We got new and we got used, and uh, I like to think our service department is top notch as well. So, give us a call. Uh, stop by. Fifteen minutes from anywhere is what we like to say at Ford's Toyota Pekin. Again, Toyota-Pekin.com. And uh, that's just one of our sponsors, Daryl. What do you know about the rest of them? Well, I can also tell you uh, a little story about a man named Gabe Casey of the Casey Law Office. <laughs> On the web, you can visit them at clopeoria.com. I'm sorry, clomorton.com, mm-hmm. formerly of clopeoria.com. Yes. That Casey Law Office gets around. Casey Law Office <laughs> is dedicated to an honest practice of law and will fight to get you the results you deserve. No matter what your legal need, contact Gabe Casey at the Casey Law Office. You can click or call and discuss your claim free of charge. Casey Law Office, a modern legal practice dedicated to solving your legal issue. You can also check out 309arena.com. Follow them on Instagram. They're also there. Uh, Eric, you actually took a field trip. You and I went there when it was still under construction. Yeah, so I stopped in there on Saturday. Angela mm-hmm. was working, and so I, uh, you know, I should have been home. Hangout now? I should have been home doing chores, but I knew <laughs> I knew Gabe would be there. You know, so I was. Uh, I went up to that San Cody Oaks or San Cody Lakes place, a little fishing place on Spring Lake. Uh-huh. 
and then on my way back home, I stopped by Gabe's place. Anyway, so Gabe's standing there. He's got kids on the VR station, other people gaming around the place. But, dude, this is so funny because I think of Gabe as like a lawyer and he's an ex-military guy, yeah. you know. I, I just don't think of him as like a gamer geek, but he's got these teenagers in there and they're like, they're like fumbling around, like reaching down because they got the gloves on. They got the VR glasses on. Yeah, they can't, serious. They can't even figure out how to load the gun. And Gabe's like telling them what to do. He's like, no, you, you point this, you click this, you do this, you aim over there. And, and this station here has, <laughs> has this soundtrack. And, you know, he is totally in his element. Oh, he, yeah. I, I, I've never seen a guy so happy, you know, and what, it, it's, it's pretty funny. Check them out. They are uh, conveniently located in Morton309arena.com. You can also look for uh, Arena Esports on Facebook. He was honestly, uh, honestly earlier doing a um, uh, Facebook Live event and just kind of doing some walkthroughs and stuff like that. So a good follow on on the gram or on Facebook. Yeah. I will also tell you this too. If you're somebody local, you have a car problem. Gabe was just telling me the other day about how he's got a, a pending suit on a local car dealership. <laughs> if, if you bought a car – whether it's new or used, and there's a problem, and, and you can document, you know, the problems you've had, and you're not getting any justification or any any communication from the dealership. Call a guy like Gabe. Call, you know, go to clomorton.com and talk to Gabe. He may tell you if you have a case or not, and it won't cost you a dime to get your car fixed or get it bought back. Yep. Way to go, way to go. We'd also like to say a quick thank you to not only those two sponsors who help put food on the table and uh, make sure that the servers are full or whatnot. I don't even know what I'm trying <laughs> the to servers say. Are full. The per- <laughs> servers are full regardless of us. But They're okay. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. We'd also like to say a quick thank you to our Patreon supporters. Thanks to everyone who signed up. And uh, click that little button there on our uh, on our, our uh, website that says support us on Patreon. Every little bit helps. It gets us some opportunities to advertise the show, get more fans, uh, produce what we do. And we were just talking in the pre-show about things like updating WordPress and updating SQL and SQL. Okay, but, but it's not all just stodgy talk like that, Daryl. I mean, right. even your wife would say possibly the, – The pre-show might be on par or if not better than the regular show. Okay, now you're being modest because she did say that the pre-show is better than the regular show. But we put a lot of work into this one. It's pretty good. <laughs> What's wrong with the regular show? I think uh, we, Sarah. I think we cut loose a little more in the pre-show. Maybe, we, maybe the candor because you're behind the paywall. We can kind of say what we want. It's like a backstage pass. But say, we're not rude about it. No, we're we're fun. We're, we're not. Yeah, we're not. We're not total jerks. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Whatever you want to say to yourself. It's like Seinfeld. Yeah, the worst people in the world. <laughs> Pretty much. We're them. You just can't tell until you're behind the paywall. So speaking of people telling us we're the worst people in the world. Well, I did get one. Uh, first off. Christopher Shinsako, he's from Chicago. He has a podcast called Shifting Through the Gears podcast. Uh, he did comment that he was so, – first off, he was so thrilled there was another Illinois Automotive podcast. And uh, that's cool. Chris is a young guy. He's starting his own podcast. And I listened to one of them. And, uh, man, these guys are having fun. They're talking about cars, talking about JDM stuff. So uh, Awesome. Yeah. Check them out. Fun. Yeah. But uh, the, the one that got me, man, last episode – not last, one before Steve Brown. Uh, episode 41, we talked about Shannon Baugh. And I said, yeah, she's a service advisor, I think, from a dealership out east. Well, here, here's how this conversation went. Got this great email from Shannon. Said, howdy, Eric. Hope all is well. Just want to say how excited I was to hear the shout-out on the last pod. Just one small note. I know Shannon is typically a female name. And then... Your heart starts to go. I knew. I'm like, oh, I'm the worst person ever. But (laughs) 
<laughs> but this guy's mom and dad decided it would be more fun in my formative years if I had a unisex name, LOL. Dude, this guy, he's had to live with this. Yeah. LOL. It's no biggie. You're definitely not the first, nor will you be the last. I just had to throw it at you. He put that in print. See, throw it. I, See what I you get, did it. Uh-huh. I get it. I didn't get the first time I read it because I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. And seriously, it's not a big deal. I had to share it with my wife and the guys at the dealership, and they all got a big kick out of it. Plus, three of the techs now are avid listeners. Keep doing what you're doing and take care. Thanks, Shannon. Dude. You're a swell guy. <laughs> bro. Bro. <laughs> now, He's I, one of the guys. I feel you. And I, I, I being a guy named Daryl, the first thing that people oh, – yeah. oh, That's a like, total chick name. It's not so big now because Daryl Hannah's career is like oh, done. Oh, But like when I was a kid, Daryl. I joking. Okay. Like Daryl Hannah. And of course, it's like a you know fourth grader. Like what? No, it's not cool. And I'd always come back with no, like Daryl Strawberry. I have to reaffirm that. So doing, doing blow, right? <laughs> yeah. And now I don't equate myself with either one of them. Wasn't but, there like a movie with a computer named Daryl? Yeah, I was a kid. It's, it's, okay. It was a kid who was a who <laughs> was like, like an android. Okay, that's it stood right. Stood for data analyzing robotic youth life form. Oh, oh, uh, I might have seen it. A yeah, few maybe times. a few times. Spelled it like mine. But no, Shannon, feel your pain. Thanks for dropping us a note and just being super cool about it. You know, as as we do this thing here with with just audio, we can't really see people face to face. No, so, and we know. certainly can't tell their sex by reading their emails either. That's so. right. So we that, get the call next, ins. We're yeah. gonna get the we're gonna get the the phone hybrid. Oh, we gonna, should yeah the WhatsApp or whatever. Yeah, we, we should do that. I like it. We could like do like it. our yeah. Larry King bit. We, yeah, we probably won't do it. But anyway, we'll no. talk about it. Anyway, if you don't know my co-host here, Daryl Scott, Uh-oh. he's got the fever. <laughs> the fever? <laughs> I mean, Did you take my temperature <laughs> on the way in? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Don't ever laugh at me ever again, Daryl. <laughs> he's got the fever. The fever for the flavor of a Toyota Century. Doesn't even rhyme, but it worked. Mm-hmm. This is all new to him, though, before he was frittering away his days browsing to JDM Imports. This guy was a red, white, and blue American classic car nut. It's true. Maybe it's a slippery slope after acquiring that old Volvo. That's the skinny on Mr. Scott. Thank you. Thank you. And I have frittered away countless hours <laughs> at this point in time. Your River City Youth? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and for those who might not know my co-host, Eric Stahl, uh, you know, they say if you want something to get done, you give the job to a busy person. Mm. Now, Eric Stahl is that busy person. He's got a calendar that's chock full of appointments. Not all of them are for oil changes or 100-point inspections either. Most of them are, though. Oh, yeah. Let's be honest. Definitely. Uh, the man who gets everyone else's jobs done, he's Mr. Eric Stahl. But barely his own, right? The painter's <laughs> house is always needing paint. Is that it's, how that goes? Yeah. 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 I know that feeling. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Thanks again for listening. Uh, again, we always mention it. Share it again on all your social media sites, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter. I've started using Twitter a little more. I don't know why that is. Um, Instagram. You name it. Please share the the uh, the show. Also, our iTunes reviews are lacking. I, I checked the uh, recent counts. We got several hundred people listening to the show. Yeah, throw us a review for God's sake. Throw okay? us a boon. Yeah, and if you say something cool in the review, we'll mention you on the show. You don't even have to have. We don't have to say your name wrong for us to mention you on the show. But it helps. Okay, it Just does. Yeah. It does. We're doing that. Uh, you said you've been kind of in talks with some possible guests for upcoming shows. Is yeah, that what's so, going on? Uh, exciting stuff coming forward. I did talk to Dean Plumador. We will have him on a future show. Hopefully, the next episode is kind of the goal to have Dino on. Okay. So, if you have any comments or questions, you have any questions about the Champaign County Sports Car Club, which run a top-notch organization, and we sponsor it with Forts too. Uh, please send them over to us. Uh, 
you know, my biggest thing with the Dino Show will probably be talking about running an auto event during COVID, which they did a great job of in 2020 mm-hmm. and how we go forward in 2021. So that'll be the main topic. But if there's anything else you want to talk about, let us know. Also, I got a voicemail, Daryl. Yeah. A voicemail from a guy that I was not expecting. I, I, I generally don't check my voicemail. And when I check this one, I listen. I'm like, oh, my God. I missed a call from the Cobra Man himself. <laughs> <laughs> and it was weeks ago, and I feel like a dirtbag. So we're going to be working. There, this is a special project. Uh, you know, everybody's going to know who this is, especially if you're a local Peoria person. But uh, if you're, you're interested in, in land speed records, if you're interested in the salt flats, if you're interested in off-roading, uh, I think this is going to be a great show coming up in the future. So we'll have more details soon on that. And I'm, I'm just going to hang it in mystery there. That's fine. Yeah, That's, yeah. It's good to leave a cliffhanger. Yeah. Also, if there there are lots of people out there, if you know somebody who's interesting that might be want want to be on the show, uh, let us know. Right now, we're doing everything kind of face to face, but once Daryl gets Studio C up and going, uh, that's going to happen. We're going to be doing remote shows. I, dude, we get emails all the time from goofy companies saying, "Do you want to interview our person about this or that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I do, but I don't really want to do it from uh, Studio A." Right. Sorry, not going to yeah. happen. No, I understand. It's it's you got to have some some high speed internet, and I just rewired my entire house with. Brand new Quad Shield RX RG6 cable, dude. Wi-Fi wireless is the way. Why would you even bother? Well, because you need to feed that from where okay. it comes in the house to a router. But a squirrel's just going to eat that wire anyway. Yeah, a squirrel's going to eat it and it'll be screwed again. But <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm looking forward to getting that studio built as soon as we get our basement built, which you know will happen at one point. Some of these it will. And then Daryl will be doing professional voiceover work, reading audiobooks. He'll be doing it all, making money. You know, I've been. People have been telling me, you know how much you could make as a voiceover artist? I, I, said, read, I read into it. It's not you, easy. It's not Well, not only is it not easy, but everybody, fibers come out. And everybody's like, oh, I can get a guy to do whatever for yeah. five bucks. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I, the thing about Fiverr, and not to get in a segue here, this is definitely pre-show material. You can look at a, an ad for Fiverr, but mm-hmm. by the time you get all, all of the rights to do whatever you want, if, if we want to do a Fiverr for this show – by the time you get the rights for podcasting and for yeah. co- they want twenty five or thirty bucks. So it's like Spirit Air. It's like oh you're you're, you're <laughs> oh you have a carry on from yeah. Chicago to Orlando is two hundred bucks. Yeah. Oh you've got seats and luggage and seat belts and you want air. Yeah. yeah that's oh you extra. want to look out the window? That'll yeah. be extra. Stupid. <laughs> All right. So in these long, drawn out winter days. What have you been up to besides driving your wife crazy? Yeah, right. Anybody who's followed along with me on Facebook or followed Forts Toyota or my Instagram or anything like that might have saw a video I posted, uh, well, last week. It was of a crushed Tree Hugger 2. It was uh, Mm -hmm. – okay, so if you don't know, Tree Hugger 1 is the truck that – my trail truck from Forts. And it was a 2010 Trail Edition 4Runner. Uh, It was called Tree Hugger because it would lovingly rub up against trees. You know, with love, never, never, <laughs> never any with... vicious intent. But uh, a, a couple months ago, Mr. Fort said, you know, it's time to upgrade. And I'll be honest with you, the, the thing about that truck, the new truck show up is a 2016, um, it was an off-road forerunner. SR5? And, was it? A, SR5 okay. off-road, yeah. But um, it was pretty plain. It was white. And so what we did is we started to upgrade the suspension. We did a full-blown Icon upgrade. We did new TRD rims. We did... Um, General Grabber tires. We upgraded. We started the work. And the cool thing about this is we're doing it. Tree Hugger 1 was a, a wonderful truck. It did its job. It, it, it got all over the country, but it wasn't photogenic. This white truck with the bronze rims, it was starting nice. to look pretty sweet. I Those could t- rims set that thing off yeah. so nice. I took great pictures on that. The content was looking good. It was a cover you know, of our Instagram feed. 
was a beautiful truck. Yeah. So it was uh, about two weeks ago now. Um, we had to go pick up a car down in Green Valley, and we, we kind of cut staff a little bit. So I sent one of my technicians uh, to go a lube tech to go down and get, get a car down in Green Valley. And our other loaner cars are out because we have a regular driver who drives three cars. But anyway, mm-hmm. so I said, take my truck. It's fine. I'm not doing it. I'm there till 5 o'clock. We'll go yeah. down to Green Valley, pick up this car. It couldn't have happened at, a, at, at literally any worse of a time. I, I, if I would have waited five minutes longer to tell him to go, I probably would have saved myself a lifetime of grief here. But the kid left the dealership and then was headed down into Pekin, and he went on to Sheridan Road. But you know Sheridan and Pekin, you can jog off to the, the right and then kind of cut around to 29 and go uh, south of town by by bypassing downtown. So he, he did that turn, and as he did that, this is where we get into the zigzag of, of one-way streets in Pekin, you know, north-south, north-south. Somebody was blazing up 4th Street the wrong way. They were headed north on a one-way, the wrong direction. Mm. Of course, if you meet Sheridan and you're going the wrong direction on a road, there's no stop sign. And he literally blew through that intersection and tagged our truck and threw it into a telephone pole. And it wasn't just like a regular-sized telephone pole. It was a I mean, it was a telephone pole to half the size of this table. The, it was it the, was gigantic. The pictures you t- took, uh, yeah. was that you, I assume, or was that your tech that I, took, I the took pictures, pictures yeah. from the scene? Yeah, because I rushed down there. I'll, we'll get into that. But, yeah, yeah, no, it, it looked like it was something was hauling. Yeah. Was the guy just. He was, I'll bet he was doing 45 miles an hour. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to talk too much about it, but in the police report, he basically said, I did it. Yeah. You know, he basically said he shouldn't have been driving. So. I get, I so get truck the truck gets hit. Yeah. Tech's okay. Get, first yeah, tech, and foremost. yeah. Well, that's the deal. So it, it gets thrown into the telephone pole, just blows every airbag. The, the body, you can see where it's pushed in because it literally hit the back back passenger door just perfectly in a spot that the whole body just kind of like moved in like three or four inches. Just, and those are full frame trucks, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So the frame underneath is tweaked. The the drive shaft, or, or the, you can see the rear wheels are like sticking out like six inches beyond the body of the vehicle. It is just tweaked. Yeah. The front of the truck is, is is great. I mean, there's a little bit of a tweak on the on the the front bumper we added on there from Southern Style Off Road, but uh, the truck is toasted. Yeah. So I, I get the call from the technician. He's like, Eric, Eric, I just got in an accident. It and I'm like, okay, you okay? And he goes, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm like, okay, where are you at? And he tells me, I'm like, all right, I'll be right down. I'm like, is it bad? And he goes, yeah, you need to come down. I'm like, all right. Mm. So I've done this two or three times now over my life at the dealership. Where somebody calls and says, I don't think I've done it with my kids. Thank God, knock on wood. Yeah, really. Um, but, uh, okay, so you have a couple things that go through your head. First off, you hope everybody's all right. I mean, honestly and truly, that's the first thing that goes through your head. Of course. But as a representative of a business, the, first, the second thing that goes through your head is, I hope my guy is not to blame. And I hope the person on the other side you know, doesn't yeah. sue us. Yeah. So I get down there. And I look and see what's going on. I'm like, oh, my God, what would you do? And he goes, that guy just blew through the intersection and hit me. Like, what, what, kind of, what kind of car was it? It was like a GMC – it was like a probably a mid-2000s GMC SUV, a Jimmy, okay. like a Jimmy type thing. Okay. And um, it hit him and it spun him upside down or on the side. But, um, but after I talked to the police, I said, so who's to blame for this? He goes, oh, this other guy's getting tickets, definitely. I'm like, thank God. Just – you know, it, it it is what it is. I'm not trying. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not like I'm trying to be. Oh, it's all about the money. But but realistically, when you're trying to run a business, the last thing you want to do is be liable for anything like this. So, sure, I was, I was happy it wasn't my guy's fault. Because yeah. especially when it's kids like 18, 19 years old, Younger who's guy. driving the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who who wants that stress? So the first thing I have to tell a kid, you don't have to worry. You didn't do anything wrong. You know, just go back to work. 
It's cool. And then today he ran a car for me. You know, I'm like, hey, maybe I should send you a tree hugger one. You know, it's a joke now. <laughs> Any more cars you want to total? Uh, yeah, but it stinks. So you're dealing with all the logistics of uh, yeah. paperwork and, and insurance. The insurance company and, yeah. has already been immediate douchebags. And I, you know, and the thing is, they like shot an offer like within a day. Like, oh, it's worth this. And, and you know, I think if you were a lesser person, if you're a regular person who had a loan on the car, you'd be like, yeah, I'll take whatever I got just mm-hmm. to get out of it. We're not in that position because, you know, we just added literally $10,000 worth of accessories to this truck. And that's always the risk. Yeah. I, I, it never comes up yeah. in a in a good situation. <laughs> but there's always that discussion. You know, are you going to get compensation for everything? How are you going to be made whole if you have something that's been customized and you put some time and effort right, and, right. and equipment into? So we send them the receipts and we haven't heard back from them. But, I mean, this it may come down to lawyers at that point. And that's what sucks because, like, in the back – I had I had my REI camp chair mangled. You know, there's a drawer mm, in there from yeah. another company. It's mangled. There's all all these things that are trash back there. That th- this is where you get in that gray area. You know, I, I'll be happy if we get the lift and the tires taken care of. You know, but well, that'd be the bulk of it, right? Yeah, right. That'd be a huge bulk of yeah. it. Yeah, because so. those rims. I mean, I remember when you got those. Those were those were beautiful, <laughs> but they couldn't have been cheap. No, I think they were probably eight hundred bucks for the set, and then plus the tires and all that. And I. And who knows what's salvageable off the thing. And, and ultimately, I've had several people interested in buying – My parts off of Yeah. That. Well, yeah. so what we may do is just buy the truck after they give us a salvage value. But the salvage value on a 4Runner, 2016 4Runner with 60,000 miles on it, it could be fifteen or sixteen grand. You don't know. Yeah. Yeah, because if that thing goes down to Copar, the engine's perfect. The driveline's probably perfect. Yeah, no, that's worth good money. Yeah, Absolutely. But eh, well, I'm glad everybody's okay, yeah. and it sucks to have to deal with. But it's, yeah, it's just the number was up for that guy. And I guess and, you know the good news is Tree Hugger One was still sitting on the back lot. The lot of tenants were using it to haul garbage. So really, uh, yeah, you know, well, if that I, was the retirement. Well, you know, <laughs> we took the stickers off, we cleaned the truck, and there've been conversation about what to sell it for. We get a lot of people asking, "What's the truck worth?" And so you know, Mister Fortnite had gone and had the conversation a couple times. We cleaned it up. I think the truck, realistically, I, I, you cannot buy a 2010, which is the first year of the fifth gen. Is it the first year or close to it? You can't buy a fifth gen 4Runner for less than thirteen grand. Just imp- impossible to find a fifth gen for less than $13,000. So this truck's got 200,000 miles. It's got a bunch of dents all over it, but it runs perfect. No check engine lights and all that stuff. Sure. So what's it worth? It's yeah, hard. some upgrades, is, obviously. Is it worth fourteen or fifteen? Is it worth thirteen? I don't know. You know, so the trucks kind of languish in this limbo land. But fortunately, it was still sitting there. So I hopped right in. I've been driving it. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like an old friend. And dude, it fits <laughs> like an old shoe. I swear yeah. to God. And I don't know if I mentioned that on the last show. Maybe with Steve Brown, we talked about. It. I don't remember, but um, it's so comfortable. It, it now it it's cold tonight. It was like 15 degrees a night. I was uh-huh. driving back from Pekin. It squeaks. It rattles. It gets super cold. That suspension is creaking. The skid plates creak. Uh, you know. Obviously, if I thought I was staying in the truck, I'd be like, "Yeah, we got to tighten some stuff up, or we got to change some shocks, or yeah, something like just, that." But, but that's part of the charm, yeah, right? That's yeah, part of the yeah. what makes it unique. But, but I hadn't gone off roading or anything in Tree Hugger Two because I didn't have skid plates on. I was getting ready to do some other stuff to it. It never really got to be realized. Yeah. Whereas I could just roll over to Badlands tomorrow with Tree Hugger One. Yeah. Like, all right, let's go, let's party, <laughs> fuel it up, and, and let it rip. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear about it. Uh, are you looking at possibly doing another build at some point? Uh, the conversation, I, you know, I, again, gets down to the valuation. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank God it wasn't our fault. Boy, if it wasn't, if it was our fault, 
I'd That'd probably, be a whole other be, thing. Be a fat chance of me ever getting another truck, right? But uh, I, I, no, I want to. I, I, I think the biggest thing is it's not that I don't love Treehugger One. I love Treehugger One. I think Treehugger One is like a heritage piece at this point. You know, I have family members who want to buy the thing, but the point is, you know, it's all about marketing. And so that white truck was really becoming a marketing piece. We hadn't wrapped it yet, hadn't done the full extent of, of stuff to it. So, I mean, just the possibilities, it was it was just getting to. We're getting into spring. Yeah. God, it could have been perfect. I know. Yeah. I know. It's it's sad because I was getting ready to – we're doing – I'm planning on going to Great Smoky Mountain Trail Ride in June. That's in Windrock Park in Tennessee. And it's going to be the first off-road event we've been to in probably almost 18 months because of COVID. And I was looking so forward to having this glowing, yeah. awesome truck that can manhandle anything. And uh, now it's like – Back to square one. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So it it it's interesting. It, I haven't been in this situation before. It you know everything's new to me, and uh, but thank God, tree hugger. I'd love tree hugger one. It's it, a good rig. It is. You, it was when, when, you I pull, when you pulled up, the driveway. Yeah. I did. I took a picture of it. Did I you? took a picture of it. Uh, I put my flash on. I'm like, oh, this thing. It's it's like an old like an old friend. It is. And that's what's nice about it is yeah. the cars and trucks have personalities, especially when they. Have so many miles, so many stories. Yeah, I mean, you've been everywhere with that thing. That truck, and, and to me, part of me is like, we should just put that in our storage unit and forget about that truck for twenty years. That's kind of what and, I was thinking. You and, might end up doing. Yeah, but. I don't know. I don't. I, I the it's just like I knew a guy who had a Land Cruiser, and he loved his Land Cruiser, mm-hmm. but his kid got into a hard spot, and he had what he was good with money. He bought a Lexus, and he gave his kid his Land Cruiser, thinking, you know what, I'm going to give my kid. It's like giving your kid like a a nice LL Bean jacket or something like that. You're like, sure, or, you yeah. know, a classic Eddie Bowrider or something like that. You're like, yeah, I respect it. And then the kid goes out and sells the jacket, and gets something from Limited or something like that. You know, yeah, you know, yeah. that's what the kid did. He took the Land Cruiser and he traded in for a Hyundai Elantra or something like that. Something horrible. And so the the dad would always come in and tell me stories like, I can't believe my kid. You know, it bugged him, and it bugged me too because you knew the quality of what the guy had released. But yeah, anyway. It's, and that and so it get it speaks to the heritage and the legacy that a vehicle like that can have. That Forerunner potentially could be it could be a a fun family item for twenty or thirty years. Sure, yeah, sure. If you do do another build, uh, would you do another Forerunner? Yeah, I, I think it's one of the best chassis. I think it is. I I, I like Tacomas. I like regular. I, I like the older Tacomas with the short beds and the short cabs. Yeah, yeah. I think they're great. But I think if you're traveling across the country like we do a lot of, and you're dealing with like storage for for tents and drawers and and uh, coolers and stuff like that, I think the Forerunner is the best way to go. I, yeah. I love the FJs, but the short wheelbase and the short body don't lend themselves a lot to a lot of storage like that. Plus the back seats. Not, not real, super comfortable. Not not kind to passengers. Okay. If, you, if you were a Jeep guy, I think the FJ is a good way to go. Yeah, but Forerunner uh, is is the best all around. Well, yeah. I wish you luck. Uh, whatever winds up unfolding, I know you'll do the right thing, and it'll be awesome. And yeah. it'll be. I, I'm having an anxiety attack thinking about it. Yeah. Thank, thanks, Daryl. I should hey, I should let you go first. <laughs> <laughs> you put this on the agenda, my friend. <laughs> no, I think it was newsworthy, and like I yeah. said, uh, follow the Forts page at uh, at Toyota. No, no, it's at Forts Toyota on Instagram, and I think that's a Twitter handle too. Yeah, if you want to see pictures of Treehugger 2.0 in its in its prime. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah. Gone too soon. Gone too soon. Okay, so Daryl, that's that's my drama. But of course, when you have a, a garage full of classics, it's it's drama every day, right? Not if you don't forget. If you don't <laughs> think about it, and you you just put it out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. The trouble is, at some point, when you go into the garage to get a tool or get something, and then you're staring at your problems all the time. And so that's what I have now. I basically, 
not much going on in the middle of winter. Uh, as you know, ripped out the entire basement, uh, getting window quotes right now, the radon systems in, oh. dewatering system, and all that stuff is done. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, next steps, putting it back together. So we'll get there. But in the meantime, I'm doing what a lot of people are doing during this pandemic is finding stuff to buy on Amazon oh, or sure. Rock Auto in the yeah. middle of the night when you should be sleeping. And okay. instead, you're like, I wonder what closeout products are on uh, Rock Auto. So what do Serena Williams and Daryl Scott have in, in common? <laughs> what? <laughs> Addicted to internet shopping? Isn't that? Pretty much. Yeah, okay. Pretty much. Yeah, that's what, that's what things have become right now. I bought a crap ton of parts from Rock Auto the, for the 58 Plymouth. And the reason I started compiling parts for that is because it needs everything. <laughs> but the big thing is the brakes. The brakes are all frozen and there's no master cylinder. So I have found a master cylinder, bought a rebuild kit, and now uh, Rock Auto had all the wheel cylinders, wheel seals, wheel bearings, uh, hoses, hydraulic pieces, all that stuff. So I'm pretty close to making sure that in the springtime I can I can get functional brakes on the car. And then the other thing I bought was uh, needs some front end pieces. Uh, everything was painted, but the guy didn't replace any of the front end parts, like ball joints, yeah. tie rods, all that. So even though it looks pretty, I, I want to drive it, especially with the motor and trans I'm going to be putting in it. I don't want stuff falling apart. So I actually found some uh, ball joints, close out for like 11 bucks, And they're like Moogs or something. <laughs> Dude, so. that, okay, you were talking about, like you get like emails from Rock Auto all the time. Yeah. yeah. They send you, and I don't know if it's after you purchase and then they put you on that mailing list. Like, yeah. you know, six months later, they hit you again. Hey, your garage has, says you have this. It's awful. They send you, and some of the guys probably know what I'm talking about out there, and gals. Uh, if you bought from them, they'll send you the closeout. Close out deals for parts for your cars. Well, of course, I've got like six cars or something listed on there that I bought for. Yeah, sure, sure. So even if I'm not in the market for it, I'm like, oh, I can get wiper blades for the Volvo for 44 cents. And, you know, like stupid. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what happened with this one. The ball joints, they're, uh, they were like 11 bucks or something for the top and, and the bottoms. And I just ordered them up. <laughs> it's one of those things you purchase and then you pay more for shipping for the stuff. I, so. I had to clear out my garage on Amazon because every once in a while I'll buy something for like a customer's car or a uh, dealership car through mm-hmm. Amazon. And next thing you know, Amazon's like, oh, we're going to add a 1995 Chevy Tahoe to your garage. I'm like, uh, no, I don't have a Tahoe. I don't, yeah. And I don't need emails about Tahoe parts right. for sure. So. Yeah, it's curated content for you that you yeah. don't need. Yeah, exactly. So whatever. Uh, so that's what I've been doing. I bought that. All that stuff came. And I'm like, oh, cool, great. Uh, so that means that in the springtime, I've actually got three cars that need brake work, that, the 47, and uh, the Solera. Solera actually needs – I've got a master cylinder. It's, it was getting mushy. Really? Yeah. So I found a, a closeout on that too. It seems like an odd repair on that car actually. It, it – Okay. It's pretty it, – the, the brakes are mushy and they were bled apparently. And the calipers seem Okay. I haven't gotten in there. I bought basically. I bought all closeout parts for that too. So it's I've four wheel disc on that Solar, right? Four wheel disc, yeah. and I even bought all new uh, emergency brake drum parts and hardware. Everything. Oh, that's the nightmare. That <laughs> sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah. Have fun with that. I haven't done it. I yeah. haven't. All those parts have been sitting in the pantry since last <laughs> July. So uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I can't find a technician in my shop who would say, "Oh yeah, I'd love to do e brake on a on a rear disc." Car, that's the no. worst. No, but it's like drums. It's they're like drum kind of, but miniature, but smaller. The Volvo has them too. <laughs> when I cracked that thing open, that was the first time I saw that. And I'm like, what the heck is this? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's pretty smart. Oh yeah. I it's, don't want to mess with it. It's like working on a watch. Yeah, yeah. And that that <laughs> seems appealing for nobody. So I also want to give a quick shout out to the Jaxwax ceramic. Yeah, I want to hear this because I, I I've been 
This ceramic wax stuff sounds cool. Yeah, yeah. Jack's Wax people, they are fixtures here at Central Illinois, and uh, you'll see them at tents at the Hot Rods and Hamburgers show in Metamora, amongst others, and Cars and Coffee. They sell some great products. I actually took the plunge a couple years ago and bought uh, some ceramic wax that they that they had, and I didn't get around to using it until last season. I actually threw it on the Tundra. I threw it on the Solera. I threw it on... Uh, I think the Volvo, too. I buffed that out once more and threw that on there. I say that to say this. The the, the ceramic stuff really works great in the winter. It looks great year-round, but in the wintertime, the added benefit is that ice doesn't really stick to it. So when you have cars that sit outside and, and that one parks pounded, outside, right? Unfortunately, the two most valuable vehicles we have sit outside on a daily basis because <laughs> I've got $1,500 cars sitting in the garage. But uh, the the snow and ice just sloughs right off. And especially when we had the big ice storm a week or two That's ago. That's got to be nice, actually. Once you warm up mm. and the hood gets a little warmed, everything just slides off. The first stop, yeah, the first stop after everything warms up, it, the whole sheet just comes off. Uh, of course, I'm not an a-hole, and I clear my entire car off before I take it out, yeah. but sometimes well, I don't. What are you trying to say, Daryl? No, I mean... Uh, you have to listen to the pre-show? Is that what you're saying? You might have to catch the pre-show. We talk a lot about... <laughs> people that don't clear their snow off their car. But I'll just throw that out there. Uh, if you're ever on the fence about any kind of polymer, ceramic, sealant, stuff like that, the added benefit for folks that maybe live in an apartment building or park their stuff outside, it's super, super interesting, easy to clean Interesting. Yeah, off. I never thought about it. Yeah. That's cool. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Yeah, typical stuff at the uh, Auto Museum of North Peoria at the That's Scott right. household. That's right. All right. So Race Daily Killy. That's one of our new favorite segments. I say new. I guess we've been doing it for like ten or twelve episodes, but yeah, it's, uh, been a while. it's still new. I mean, when you're when you're forty episodes deep, I mean, it's it's new. Uh, we we <laughs> we basically this week said we're not going to do race daily kill because Jake Irish had. Uh, can I say his full name? I guess we I did. Think so I just did. We so, just did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll check with legal. One of our Patreon subscribers said, "Hey, why don't you guys do a uh, a commentary? I, I, what did we ask on the pre-show?" About uh, like you know, show suggestions, ideas, yeah, show ideas, segments, yeah. and so, so uh, you know, and I thought Jake was kind of being kind of snarky. He said, "How about Hot Wheels versus Matchbox?" <laughs> you know, actually, Jake punctuates everything with LOLs. You don't know Jake that well, is he? But I could look at every text from Jake, and he always puts an LOL. That's I, a, I'll tell I you what. I think a, he's got a nervy, nervous laughter going. Well, that's also a good way to diffuse <laughs> something. So if it is potentially offensive, it's like LOL. I was just kidding. Jake's never afraid to offend anybody, so I'm no. not sure where it's coming from. Anyway, but I ate this up. You I will did. Say you, it, you ran with it, and I was ready to as well. But you you really took the bull by the horns yeah, on this one. Jake and I were texting one night, and he's like, you know, this would be a good segment, and I'm thinking. Oh, my God. Why didn't we think about this? This is a great segment because – and his rationale, and I agree with this. When you were growing up and that's when you get in your formative years, you're into either Hot Wheels or you're into Matchbox. I mean some people collect both. You know, they they know what they like. But I want to say it's kind of like Nintendo versus Sega or – Coke versus Pepsi. Like, you kind of fall into one camp or the other. There's not a lot of cross. If Nintendo bought Sega. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right? (laughs) There's just not a lot of cross-pollination. And I I, I would love to get into kind of the the nooks and crannies here and and learn what your particular interests were when you were growing up, young Eric. Yeah. But uh, Hot Wheels or Matchbox, something everybody has an opinion on. For example. Well, should we we go side by side? Let's just run down here. So Hot Wheels... Introduced by Mattel in 1968. Matchbox? Matchbox was introduced by a company called Lesney in the U.K. back in 1953. Okay, so Matchbox, older, 
and have a weird British name backing them. Lesney. Lesney. Sounds like Lesney. Leslie, but it's not. (laughs) Hot Wheels were featured with race car track sets. That was a big thing. You could buy the orange track with the little tongues you stuck in everything, Mm -hmm. and you could race those things and jump them anywhere. Meanwhile, Matchbox decided to pioneer low-friction wheels in the 1960s so they would, you know, roll. <laughs> definitely, definitely, well, definitely chose the best best character voices for the. Yeah, anyway, I'm just going to do British right. voices. So, Hot Wheels custom cars featured prominently in the early 70s. They they actually would take like Rat Fink type style cars and make all yeah. kinds of crazy stuff. Hot Wheels weren't necessarily full full blown production cars. Meanwhile, Matchbox specialized more in production cars. Yeah. And they were uh, eventually purchased by Mattel, which owned Hot Wheels, yes. back in 1997. And they share the parent company today, which is kind of weird. And I don't know that people really know that because it's funny. They're still – if you go into Target or you go into any retail outlet, you'll see that those two yeah. brands are in different spots. Yes. At, at Target, they're actually buffered by about two or three feet. So it's – What's in the middle, funny. like Johnny Lightnings? Yeah, or like, actually, yeah. I think yeah. you're right. They are. Those are kind of cool, too. Yeah, they are. I got some Johnny Lightnings. I got some FJs down there. Do you, I'm yeah. noticing behind you what appears to be a Matchbox Mercedes. Oh. oh Yui. It's is Yui. that who is that's it? That's Yui. That, okay, that's okay. Yui. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah. Go back. All right. Go back to the uh, the Yui Roquist show. <laughs> that's that's She's still one. my passion project. Okay, so everybody <laughs> wants to talk about you know the toys they grew up with, the toys that helped shape who we are today. Let's go back to the early days of Hot Wheels and Matchbox. And I just did a quick snapshot. Detroit Free Press had an article where they took some auction results. And apparently, yes, there are toy auctions, like car auctions and everything else. And even on American Pickers, there's, you know, Frank is all about toys and he's got his, you know, expertise on that. I think, okay, so what you have here is you have the top three most valuable vintage Hot Wheels and you have the top three most valuable vintage Matchbox cars with an asterisk behind. I'm not sure what the asterisk is. But. The number one Hot Wheels. I mean, this should almost be revealed to the very end because this the number okay. on this car yeah. is stupid. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's so let let's just say let's okay. just go right now. Let's start with the number three Matchbox. All right. So the number three most valuable Matchbox. And the asterisk, if you follow the asterisk down there, the value data is from the Detroit Free oh, Press. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Uh huh. So, but they uh, what does Detroit Free Press know? But it's auction <laughs> results, legit auction results from 2018. Sotheby's. So the number three most valuable one, according to them, was a 1965 Matchbox Dodge Wreck truck. I believe it's a wrecker. Like That's a what I guess too, yeah. And specifically they had the colors in here because they made them in different colors. Okay. This one, these are the colors in the parentheses are much more rare, hence the value. Uh, green and yellow one of these, 65 Dodge Wrecker, $5,911. That's, That's not bad. That's so not far. bad. Now what's, what's also interesting about the Matchbox cars – that the range came out in 1953, mm-hmm. uh, but these cars that you're going to see are mostly 1960s models. Yeah. So I'm kind of shocked by that. Okay, so for Hot Wheels, the third most valuable car, the 1969 model Custom AMX. It's a Hot Wheels. It's in blue. Comes in at forty three hundred and fifty seven dollars. All right, late 60s muscle car, little AMC. Not quite, not quite Matchbox value there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's getting better. Uh, next one, number two most valuable vintage matchbox is a 1966 Opal Diplomat, and it is in seafoam green. That one sold <laughs> its seafoam green matchbox sixty six thousand. Sorry, six thousand six hundred and eighty two dollars at auction. So I think you pictured that car in this in this right here, haven't you? Is that the car? Uh, that's actually a Mercury Cougar, but okay. same, but that same seafoam, seafoam green. Yeah. yeah. The op- thing, 
the thing about the Matchbox cars, it, it's immediately apparent. This kind of reminds me of the, like Tamiya stuff from even ten years ago. It's basically that that screw, the, not a screw, but like a nail that goes through for the axle, axles, and yeah. then and then these terrible wheels that are stuck on the axle. And that's where Hot Wheels really took off because the Hot Wheels, the, their spindle and everything was set up so that the. That you never saw the end of the axle. No, they look like little mini mag wheels. They look yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, they do. They and do. that's what everybody wants. In fact, I think they even make Hot Wheels rims now for legit cars. Like, oh, uh, do they? Yes, I can see that. It's we good. have a Hot Wheels edition Tacoma that comes in the store all the time. Seriously? Yeah, oh yeah. Well, he made he bought. Do you put the stickers? Yeah, yeah. I swear uh, that has to be like a manufacturer's thing, though. There's money on the table. I'm sure. <laughs> if you put a, so. if you slap the Hot Wheels sticker on like a Mustang or Camaro, <laughs> dudes like. Boomers would eat it up. But Matchbox, they wouldn't, would they? No, they wouldn't because they're too classy, <laughs> even though they're the same company. All right. All right so number, number two, two for the uh, the Hot Wheels is the 1971 Olds 442. I have no idea what a 442 is. It's cutlass. Okay. But uh, it is purple, and it comes in at $4,682. Not a whole lot of money moving here on the Hot Wheels. Seems reasonable. And yeah. so far, you know, the values there, mid-fours, yeah, pretty yeah, reasonable. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm going to peek out. I'm gonna, the number one top – Auction result for Matchbox cars, 1961 Majiris Deutz truck, which I believe is German. That's why Deutz, I had Daryl do this one because I couldn't read it. Deutz makes – I think it's Deutz, whatever. They make tractors. Anyways, uh, it's a Matchbox tan and orange combination. This one sold at auction in uh, 2018 for $11,822, and that – is your most valuable matchbox car. Eric, what do you got for Hot I'm going to tell you this right now. That $11,822, mm-hmm. that would buy any of the cars in our garages pretty much. Right? <laughs> it would buy all of them. <laughs> so I'd trade, in, I'd trade in that little Margus Dutz truck, yeah. and I could, I could basically own any car in my fleet right now. I could own my Celica. Anyway, anyway. What, that matchbox Dodge truck, the 65 Dodge truck? Like a $5,900 Dodge truck is yeah. what it would cost. That's – I could buy for the same amount of this matchbox. I could go buy the real thing. But it fit in your pocket. Yeah, you, wouldn't have, yeah, you definitely have to worry about you the could, <laughs> oil leaks. You could put that on the dash of the actual truck like you see some guys do at shows. Yeah. Like, oh, would you get that? Nah. Dude, you'd have a bodyguard. You'd, you'd have that thing down with an alarm on it. Yeah. Lasers. Yeah, right? Lasers. Uh, speaking of lasers, oh. you would need lasers for this yeah, one. If you owned a 1969 Volkswagen Microbus Beach Bomb, in pink, with the rear-loading action, Daryl, you would have a cool hundred to $150,000. That's wow. insane. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, any listeners of Throwing Wrenches who now are going through their Hot Wheels collection looking for that 1969 bus – uh, we'll take a kick, we'll take a cut of this. You heard it here first. You didn't you didn't know anything about that Hot Wheels sitting in your collection that's until right. just now, right? I believe that's a consignment fee. Yeah, I think we yeah. can call. I mean, that I'm, I'm, a generous. Uh, easy 10%, right? Yeah, we'll right. take that. Just remember remember the guys who told you about the car that's in your collection, okay? Can you imagine that? Any Hot Wheels car worth 100 k No. No, I really can't. What do you do? I'm not going to question. I'm not going to yuck people's yums. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that means. Well, you like one thing, and I'm going to say, I don't like it. You know, Screw you. Whatever you like, you yuck, like. Yuck your yum. Yuck your yum. I'm, 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 I'm Googling that. I've never heard that. No. That must be a Chicago. That must be a suburbanite thing. Yeah, you're just not hip and cool yeah. like me. Is that Polish? No, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, what do you do with them after? Like, uh, you sell it. You, you sell the stupid thing. That's what you do. As a kid, you run around the carpet or you know, you know, you know make noises and pretend you're driving. Yeah. Then once you get old enough, it's like, cool, I still got my Hot Wheels because it reminds me of my youth or I like these cars. It's kind of cool to collect. Yeah. 
$100,000? I don't know, man. Does that mean that the micro machines are worth 50 grand? Well, I think this comes down to even comic books. I mean, there was a, a time where uh you know, you would buy comic books because you enjoy the comic books, and the next thing you know, or the Lou Gehrig baseball card. Yeah, you had it. You, but although a Matchbox, I don't think people bought Matchbox for the collectivity of them, right? Well, there were. There, did you ever know weird kids growing up that kept stuff in the boxes? Not Matchbox. No, no. Did you? N- no, I didn't. Baseball stuff. They'd keep like a starting lineup. Do you remember those? Okay, so you. Okay, what we used to do is you'd buy like the whole box of of the full run of cards, and that would be the thing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. These so are going to be collectors. Yeah, and they are. I'm, I'm going to post a picture of this uh, this Volkswagen. Okay, and uh, I don't know if it shows up because we're on the uh, the slow boat internet here. There it is. Uh, yeah, but uh, that's it, hideous. Yeah, it's just a. But I mean, it's just a uh, little. <laughs> Pink van with two surfboards in the back. Like there's not Dude, even I'd, I'd any hock, detail. I, I would hawk that sucker for five hundred bucks. The headlights aren't painted. There's no, no VW logo. See, that's what I liked about Matchbox. And here, okay, so let's just let's get into okay, it. Okay, all right, yeah. So let's let's rumble. Want to start a fight? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jake. Thanks for the idea. Uh, what were you growing up? What were you? A uh, Matchbox kid or a Hot Wheels kid? Totally Matchbox. Totally Matchbox. I actually uh, I remember Matchbox had like planes and they had like cool cool stuff that actually looked realistic. Where the problem I had with Hot Wheels a lot was the stuff was mostly fantasy. Yeah, and I and I dug that whole fantasy aspect. Certainly the fifties and sixties and seventies had like cool fantasy cars, like you said, the Rat Fink, the Rat Fink that stuff. Yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. But. As a kid growing up, I really appreciated like models that looked like something that we would drive. So I thought back. I went back in the Wayback Machine. The <laughs> and uh, I remembered going to Bellet's Fountain. Fountain, uh, it was just basically a store where they had a soda fountain and they had basically the old-time pharmacy. Like and the corner drugstore. Yeah, the corner drugstore. And they had like the rotary server thing where you would like spin and look through the glass case and you could see all the cars. And I remember this one truck with a top a camper on it. It was number thirty eight. It was a nineteen seventy nine camper. I think it was a Ford, and uh, it had a plastic removable top. It looked like a perfect little red truck. And it was really weird, Daryl, because I think about this truck and I'm like, wow, this is a precursor. I was going to say yeah. this set it all yeah, up. Yeah, it did. No, I don't, I, but I remember <laughs> as we played in the sandbox as a kid, but I'd like make these perfect tracks, make our houses, and we'd take the truck off. You know, you jump sand dunes with yeah, it, right? No, not with a camper on, Daryl. I would never do that. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, no, I think there was something about the accuracy of the Matchbox I appreciated more. The Matchbox to me was the purer product. Yeah, I, I, the Hot Wheels were the show offs. I wouldn't show off, Daryl. I, I completely agree. And for that reason, I'm also – I was a Matchbox fan growing up because yeah. they looked like something you'd see in the real world. They had the hot rod stuff, the, the, the deuce coupe with the flames or like the, the purple Corvette or something mm-hmm. like that. I had some Hot Wheels, but by and large, it had to be something that was super cool, caught my attention. Yeah. Otherwise, I was always begging my mom to, to buy me a Matchbox uh, as long as I didn't fight and beat up my brother in the grocery <laughs> store. Usually one of us got a Matchbox or my, my brother Kyle got a G.I. Joe or something like that. So. True. Yeah, and when I was a kid, I think we were nine or ten. The uh, the three and a half inch GI Joe started coming out, so Hot Wheels were long gone by that time. Yeah, you know? and then it's like, oh, cool! I'm gonna, I'm gonna get these guys and get the GI Joe Jeep and the Destro's Destroyer yeah, and all yeah. these cool Rolling Thunder pieces. Yeah, exactly. I also, when I got older, because you got to a point, I don't know, if, probably did you get to a point where Matchbox Hot Wheels, like, eh, I'm just not into those. Sure, sure. And they're not cool. No. But you'd still look at them. Yeah, and, and I, of course, you know, I do that. I, I, st- I buy die casts all the time. I actually, last couple of days, I had a kid today snooker me today. 
They gave him a die, die cast the other day, a Toyota. Yeah. And they came in and and uh, gave him another car. He didn't say, oh, you gave me one the other day. His mom didn't stop me either. I didn't recognize him though. So, so you, you guys give him out? I, I do. So here, here's the deal. Have I not gone through this whole thing? No, okay, no. Okay. Is this – oh, God. This is probably pre-show material. That's right. But right now, uh, because of the Tokyo Olympics, there's two Toyotas that are for sale. If you go to Walmart, Target, whatever, there's a Tundra and there's a 2000 GT. Toyotas in Hot Wheels or Matchbox are extremely rare because Toyota doesn't like releasing their models at all. So knowing those are out and knowing I'm an empty nester and I'm bored, I'll just go <laughs> sift through these boxes, the drop boxes. And because of the Tokyo Olympics, those are easier to see. They, they're like, they got little tabs on top, say Tokyo 2000, 2020. Oh, okay. So I'm finding Tundras left and right. And so I'm buying them. So when a little kid comes in, I'm talking kids probably under six or seven. Yeah. I'll, I'll hand them a Hot Wheels. It's a dollar. That's awesome. You know, and their parents are there for service. You know, actually, I, I gave one out the other day, and the person ended up buying like seventeen hundred dollars worth of suspension stuff. You know, it's just That's cool. It, and I'm yeah. not. It's not a, a, a parlay for that, but I'm just saying. I'm just trying to make a friendly atmosphere. I want your kids to go. Yeah, I want to go back there. Those guys are cool. That you know. See, and that always worked as a yeah. kid. The bank used to give out Tootsie Rolls. I used to love to go to the bank with my mom. I'd well, go to the got bank. A balloon. It's an- or, or I got a sucker. Right. <laughs> hey, I'm going to run some errands. Are you going to the bank? Yeah, exactly. Of course, I'd yeah. sit in the bank. And, and that's the same thing. So yeah. you know, and people may look at me funny, and uh, it is what it is. You know, I didn't know there was tundras. I would going to go find one. Yeah, uh, they're white or purple. Your only choice. Actually. Daryl, if you come in with a kid, I'll, I'll throw you one, okay? All right. If anyone has a kid I can borrow to get a free toy and then take the kid's toy, I'll buy him a Happy Meal with a different toy. You know, it. the one thing I want to – the last caveat on this whole thing about sure. Hot Wheels. For, sure. I mean, thanks, Jake, for the rabbit hole. Yeah, this is great. This is the rabbit – hang on. There you go. The rabbit hole. Thank you. Um, I watch 3D Bot Maker, which we've talked about before in the past. They do the uh, the yeah. YouTube channel for racing, and, and one of the the race segments they had recently was the DRC, the Diecast Rally Series. It's fun, but they they pick a lot of like cool cars that are kind of off roady and stuff like that. Well, this last time they did, they struggle to find Toyotas, and I think people want Toyotas on there, so they found a supermodel. It's a old Hot Wheels with these terrible wheels, the like goofy this. rims. Yeah, those yeah. fat, round wheels. They're not the Hot Wheels. They're not the fast wheels. Hot Wheels always you know, advertise the faster-than-ever wheels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. All of the Matchbox cars fail on that channel. They, really? They suck. It's terrible. It bothers me. Tamaya – or not Tamaya. Um, yeah, uh, they make one. Corgi? No, it's not. No. Corgi. I'm trying to think uh, – Anyway, there's all these different sub-brands, but Hot Wheels win all these races all the time. They have the fastest wheels. They always do. So it bugs me that Toyota doesn't have any stupid Hot Wheels out there. Or just I want to get some matchboxes and hot rod them up and put some graphite on them or something. Yeah, but if you have not watched 3D Bot Maker, put that on your YouTube channel. Look up the DRC. I know Regan's watched all the series of it. It is fun. It's It's worth watching. It's a blast. Certainly got me through uh, COVID early on last year. All right. Well, thanks, uh, Jake. Thank you so much for the inspiration for that segment. And yep. I'm curious. I'd love to hear you chime in as well, whether you're a Hot Wheels or Matchbox fan and why. Yeah. All right. Let's blow through some news. We've got a little long here. And international news. Carlos Ghosn. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, Daryl, but uh, Carlos Ghosn had a little bit of a uh, – 
He had a little bit of an accomplice thing going on when he tried to escape Japan last year. Well, actually, he didn't try. He actually did it. He was successful. Yeah, yeah. From the Associated <laughs> Press, U.S. Army Special Forces veterans accused, along with his son, of smuggling Carlos Ghosn out of Japan in a box. Yeah, living in a box. Uh, the U.S. officials have said he can face extradition rights to Japan. This is from Boston. The U.S. Special Forces veterans accused, along with his son, in an interview with the Associated Press on Monday, days after a judge had cleared the way for the pair to be handed over to Japan, Michael Taylor said he fears he would be treated unfairly in the Japanese legal system. Taylor, a former Green Beret and a private security specialist in Massachusetts, said he feels betrayed and the U.S. would try and turn him over to Japan after his service to the country. And quote from Michael Taylor, You dedicate your time in the military and you serve in combat and you do a whole bunch of other things. Not sure what that whole bunch of things is. Yeah, I'm curious. There's more there. But, yeah, but let's he, unpack that later. Yeah, but he said that from a suburban Boston jail where he and his son Peter have been locked up since May. And now they volunteer to extradite me and my son Japan for something like this. Yeah, you feel a great sense of betrayal. Here's what I want to know. When when he was looking at the ad in Soldier Fortune, yeah. and it said $100,000 to do a, a smuggle a, me out a of the two, country. A two-day gig in Japan. I yeah. mean, did he did he feel like all those years of US servitude were were going to be maybe helping him if he had to get bail or what? I mean, well this wasn't an official covert operation from the US military. No, it was I mean, a, and it wasn't even official from Nissan. No, it was a guy <laughs> who's like I'll pay you a lot of money to put me in a box. Literally. Yeah. Put a me in a box. box. Yeah. And smuggle me out of this country where I'm facing charges. Yeah. And, you know, I will say this about Michael Taylor. No relation to Jonathan Taylor dash Thomas hyphen. Uh, or the Taylors from Duran Duran. Or the Taylors. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that we know of. But he was good at his job. Clearly he delivered on his promise. And uh, Yes, because Carlos Ghosn sits in Lebanon flipping his croissant. That's right. Yeah. Enjoying a life of – Whatever luxury he has until he does face dipping music. his bread in fresh olive oil. Yes. That does sound good right it now. Does, a little it? bit of red wine, like on a on a beach in Nice, yeah. overlooking his <laughs> empire. What a weird story. This anyway, is still so bizarre. Yeah, that's our moment. Uh, that's our uh, gone in sixty seconds. We do have some theme music, right? Yeah, somewhere. Uh, we'll see if we can dig it up this time. We'll cue it up. All right, let's move on to national news, Daryl. All right, so uh, many people have been following the uh, trials and tribulations of auto parts manufacturer Edelbrock, uh, formerly of the chrome valve cover fame. They're shutting down their uh, Torrance, California headquarters. This is according to an article in The Drive and every other place. Uh, if you're Big news this week. Big news this week. According to a January filing with California's Economic Development Department, a longtime auto parts maker Edelbrock announced it would be permanently closing its Torrance base, which is their headquarters, and it has been since 1938. It's affecting the facility's 270 employees and, uh, of course, an unconfirmed number of layoffs. But it includes workers in the company's office divisions, such as sales and advertising, as well as R&D, testing, and manufacturing. Uh, now, they do still have some facilities, I believe, in North Carolina and some other place in the south uh, where they their carburetor factory and they've got another facility, I think, that makes manifolds. But other than that, this is mostly kind of white-collar R&D and manufacturing. Uh, didn't list a reason for the closure, but Edelbrock has been headquartered there since, I said, 1938. As the story goes, Kansas-born Vic Edelbrock Sr. moved to California in the 1930s and fell in love with hot rod culture there. Edelbrock has been owned, though, uh, not by the Edelbrocks. Vic Edelbrock, of course, passed away like in 2017, something like that. I believe is the 
son or daughter. Kids owned it for a while. It has been owned by Industrial Opportunity <laughs> Partners. The worst company name ever. Industrial Opportunity Partners, otherwise known as IOP. Yeah, as, private equity as, uh, we buy companies and resell them and shut them down. Yeah. They uh, bought them in 2010. They also acquired Comp Cams uh, and uh, in February of 2020, probably shut them down as well. Yeah, probably going to be closing those doors too. <laughs> uh, sad story, but that doesn't necessarily mean the brand is dead. Uh, there's still uh, items out there available. That speaks to the much larger problem of how many people are putting out of Brock manifolds on cars these days. Uh, well, I can't raise my hand to that because I'm not in that car culture, Daryl. So. Well, even the new stuff. I, I know they have some newer computer-controlled things and fuel injection setups. Maybe. So were they were doing the, like the throttle body stuff we talked about on on these like older uh, pieces where you'd like retrofit, right? Yeah. I, Holly's got a much bigger name recognition with that. Okay. Uh, they have a system called Sniper, and they do all kinds of EFI adaptions and stuff where you basically can take a, an older carbureted car – Put a newer fuel injection system on there, but make it a little easier for the the DIYer. Yeah, I don't I don't know if Edelbrock has been that that in tune with it. Like I think I told you in the pre-show, I've bought exactly two things from Edelbrock over the years. <laughs> One was a chrome valve or a chrome uh, uh, air cleaner for my '78 F one fifty. And the other one was a, a brand new Quadradet for my other truck, that uh, my '76 Chevy C twenty. And no problems with them. The carb actually is great. Uh, I really liked it. It was worked out of the box, some minor tweaks, but very happy with, with their work. The trouble is I don't think the, – the, the days of the shade tree buying an old something or other with a small block in it, doing head cam intake and carb and making a 300-horsepower fun car, those days are over. And I don't know if Edelbrock's adapted to that. Yeah, it'd be. I mean, that's one of those deals where you got to keep paring down, scaling down, scaling down, and then eventually you're just like, uh, somebody else can probably do it more efficient than we can, right? Yeah, and I think the name is worth more than anything else. Yeah, right? everybody remembers. Do you remember the Vic Edelbrock commercials? No, but no? Uh, hey, even you saying Edelbrock. At least now I know it's not Edelbrock. Or Eldebrock. <laughs> That's always fun, too, at a cruise night. Yeah, yeah I got them Eldebrock things on them. Thing, the, the, I, I, yeah. I, I was waiting for you to say it because I honestly have no idea how you pronounce it. Yeah, he used to do if you uh, this power block on – used to be TNN and then it became uh, Spike TV. Yeah. On the weekends, he would do the, all the commercials. They'd sponsor all the shows. You know, quality in the USA, made right here in the USA, or I wouldn't put my name on it. Yeah. Vic Edelbrock was a great guy, uh, big into Mustangs and uh, Corvettes, really had a nice uh, a nice long run. And I can't remember what he passed away of. He was probably in his 70s, 80s. Old age. Uh, but Vic Edelbrock Sr., his old man, I've got some great pictures I'll throw in with the post for this. Uh, just your old-timey cigar hanging out the mouth while tuning a flathead Ford V8. Like, dude was a was a mechanic. Nice. And he got famous building manifolds because he looked at stock stuff. And it's like, I want to put more carburetors on it. I need to flow more air and more fuel. I'm going to make my own. The, what I need doesn't exist. You know what this engine needs? Yeah. More air and fuel. More air and fuel. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Anyway, All speaking right. of the antithesis of yeah. Uh, carbs. Yeah. yeah, let's go ahead and do a 180 on that. Mm -hmm. uh, President Biden will make the entire federal fleet electric. That's 645,000 vehicles, Daryl. That's according to electrek.co. President Joe Biden has just announced that he will replace the entire U.S. federal fleet with 
electric vehicles made in the United States of America. The U.S. Federal Fleet consists of over 645,000 vehicles right now, according to the latest Federal Fleet report. That includes 245,000 civilian vehicles like Priuses and Camrys, and I say that because I don't know any other makes, sorry, Tauruses and Luminas, and 173,000 military vehicles and 225,000 post office vehicles. Here is the thing that's not listed in this. He had also put in that bill that he wants it only made by union labor. Did you see that? No, no. And, and it's because – well – I know we'll, there has been some renewed emphasis on that. Yeah, and so there was a whole thing because Nancy Pelosi bought some Tesla stock, or her husband did, but then and it went up after this announcement. But then the whole thing is if Tesla's not – he's not union. Mm, no. So who knows what's going to happen here, whether they'll waive that or whether – you know, whether those companies, those factories in Ohio and Michigan and uh, places where the unions are still there, will they actually be making these electric cars? Who knows? There's also the same same administration is also talking about wanting to get rid of coal-fired power plants over 50 years. Yeah. So where's the energy going to come from? Because we pretty much decommissioned all the nuclear power plants. The wind, Daryl, the wind. Oh. Yes, the wind oh. will blow it all in. Wind and solar. Wind yes, and solar. Yes, yes. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be great. It'll work. It'll work anyway. Uh, not bad, though. I mean, fleet vehicles, post office vehicles, you know, those things, they run a specific route every day, come back in. You can plug them in, charge them at night. Yeah, yeah. It makes sense. I th- I, that I don't have a problem I might have, I might have shared something on our Facebook page about – it was like uh, in Pinellas County, Florida, where they had like an – kind of like the, the neuro I think we talked about in the last episode. Mm-hmm. But in Pinellas, where they're going to have like vehicles just drive around electric that help handicap people or something like that autonomously. Yeah. I could see on the the federal fleet where the post office you could have just vehicles running back and forth. You know, you know, what if what if the mailbox you threw the mail into was just an electric vehicle? You just threw it in there and then it just drove to the post office later in the day. You know, who knows? Then yeah. what would kids in the country do? They wouldn't smash mailboxes for fun anymore. <laughs> no, they'd have a federal offense that was a lot more expensive than uh, you know, <laughs> they used to do when we were kids. They'd, that's they'd sure. tip autonomous vehicles yeah. instead of cows. Yeah. I don't All know. right. Also in national news here. Dealers call on Nissan to revive the Xterra. This is from Automotive News. Stoked by the automotive, the market frenzy that's now greeting the return of the long-dormant SUVs such as the Ford Bronco and the Land Rover Defender, some wishful Nissan dealers are calling on the return of their long-absent model, the funky Xterra SUV. You remember funky. that one? Funky. Funky. <laughs> It sounds like a Kia commercial. And according to dealers, the automaker is now listening. The pickup-based sport ute, once referred to as the car that saved Nissan for bringing an infusion of sales to the then-struggling brand back in 1999, was discontinued after the 2015 model year, a casualty of new safety regulations and a consumer pivot from truck-based utility vehicles to lighter unibody crossovers. There's actually a quote here from Scott Smith. He's the Scott or the Smith Automotive Group president. He said, other than the Z car in 1970, the Xterra was the best launch we've ever had. It would be great if Nissan would recognize that the Xterra should come back. I have to agree. When the Xterra yep. came out, what was Nissan doing? I was going to say, 1999, nothing. There was a little blip on the on the screen when they launched the Infinity brand. Yeah. And the Ultima had a little bit of a light buzz. And, yeah, and I think the Maxima got kind of really cool there for a short time, right? It did. It did. But then by the late 90s, early 2000s, there wasn't anything there no. at Nissan. The Xterra came out, and that's the first time I remember people saying, like, Holy crap! I want one of those. I'm yeah. going to actually go buy them. What do you remember about them when they came out? Uh, I, th- I think it was like the most legit SUV versus a Toyota. I mean, people would, would look at the Nissan Xterra as like an alternative to a Toyota SUV because they could save three or four thousand dollars 
mm-hmm. by the X, right right off the bat versus an FJ. They were what like twenty ish. Yeah, yeah, I'd say low twenties, and you get a four yeah. by four. And and the nice thing was this is this is where a lot of manufacturers I think mess up. You could get them stripped down with nothing. I mean, literally plastic interior that you would hose out. Mm-hmm. I think that was kind of like the calling card of that car when it first came out, right? Sure. Yeah. And you coun't tell they were stripped down from the outside because they all had the same body cladding. True. They all had the same kind and of – And they came with some funky colors, orange yeah. and yellow and the stuff yellow. like that, right? Yeah. I remember seeing the yellow yeah. and being like – would take you take notice of it. You yeah. see it like, okay, fog lights. You had the cool – was it aluminum roof rack on it? Big tube. Yeah. yeah. Which, which now is like – pervasive everywhere. Everybody's gone with the chunky style. Nissan was out of its time. So it would be interesting to see what they do because they went with the unibody on the Pathfinder. They basically gave up the SUV market. So if they go to a truck base with – the Frontier truck is still pretty durable and people who are in the off-road community like the Frontiers. The problem with the Frontier, and this is what comes down – you know, you buy a Jeep, you buy a Toyota truck because there's so much aftermarket accessories out there. You buy a Frontier, you buy a Mitsubishi Montero – and you are so limited. You literally have to search and search and then maybe pay three times what you'd pay for a lift kit on that vehicle versus a Jeep right. or a Toyota. Then you're like, you have to really be dedicated to the product at that point, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And the, the, the Nissans too, the only – I think I said this in the pre-show. The only thing I do remember they got dinged for back when they came out and I don't think they ever fixed it or, or revised it. Uh, the sunroof opened right into that beautiful <laughs> roof rack. So if you got an Xterra, That's they, they always said, don't get the package with the sunroof because you can't open it all. Like it literally just opens a little. Because it leaks? No. It no. just won't open. It goes clunk. and then <laughs> It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> Whoops. But, you know, who needs an off-roader with a sunroof? Oh, man. we got more great articles here, Daryl. Let's just keep on going. Let's, let's keep on trucking here. Let's do it. Daryl, I don't know if you're aware of this or not. EVs don't like winter weather. Does it have something to do with batteries and cold? Maybe, maybe. Oh. It's according to Ward's Auto. Uh, the barriers of EV ownership are coming are coming down all over the place. Everybody wants EVs. According to Joe, you know, Joe Biden wants EVs everywhere. Everybody. Battery costs are dropping. They'll reach parity with internal combustion engine powertrains in just a few years. Range anxiety, which is how far they can drive, is now becoming less of an issue as more public charging stations are built. Consumers will soon have a rich choice of models and be able to choose on every showroom a car that fits their needs in the EV. Sure. But the auto industry faces a major development challenge with EVs, Daryl. What's that? They don't like winter weather. We don't have cold winter weather in the Midwest, do we? <laughs> you know, if you lived in San Diego, an EV is a perfect place. Because I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but EV batteries don't like cold temperatures, Daryl. That's according to Ward's Auto. You can read that article. We'll have a link to it on our Facebook page. I'm, I'm just going to tell you this. Yeah. This is a conversation I have with customers all the time when they have a plug-in car or an EV or a hybrid car. Uh, I say, here's what you do, folks. Leave your cell phone out on the seat of your car overnight and mm-hmm. then go that next morning and try and turn that sucker on. That's what you're asking your EV car, your hybrid car to do. And you know what happens? when you, Even a laptop that's been sitting out cold, yeah. what's it run like? Oh, it, it's, it's, there's about a 10-second delay <laughs> on the screen. Any kind of resolution takes forever. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't work. And then it won't hold the charge as well. I'm sure that the next generation of battery technology has sorted all of these problems out. But it does seem to beg the question, when they do durability test a lot of this stuff, yeah. are they doing it in like an Arizona proving ground? You know, it's, oh, oh, everything works great. Yeah. Or when they do the uh, the miles per gallon or the, you know, whatever you get, miles per charge. Yeah. You have to wonder. That always it always made me feel good whenever somebody would talk about how well engineered stuff was, but then how much 
well engineered it was for cold climates. Yeah. You'd the old timers be like, "Oh, you want a, a good car in the winter? You buy a Mercedes or anything that's got a block heater built into it or <laughs> uh, you know, Swedish cars where they've got tow hooks that are really really sturdy and they actually know how to build stuff that won't rust out." Yeah. There is a little bit of cold climate. I remember a 1938 Buick magazine that I I had. Oh yeah, I think I read that have, one. Happen to have that. No. But I, they came I out. I didn't read that. You one. don't have that no, one? No. I'll give you a copy. I got two. It's called the Buick Magazine, and they were talking about all the rigorous testing they did for cold weather. Oh, and so they actually have like this thirty-eight Buick with a bunch of tech guys, and they're in a—I think it's an ice house. Are they next to a dog sled by chance? <laughs> yeah, it's a very stylized photo. <laughs> but these guys are like, we actually set this thing out here. It was like twenty-two below, yeah. and we we let it sit for you know two days, and then we tried to start it. And I mean, there is something to be said for that uh, versus. Tested in optimal climates and optimal conditions. I'll say this. I, you can get in an EV car that's at zero degrees and it at least starts and runs. I mean, if it were a laptop, you, you would like throw it against the wall. <laughs> I mean, I, I give the auto manufacturers a lot of credit for that's true. what they can even pull off right now. And, I, that's and this true. comes from a guy who's actually sat in an EV at zero degrees and been like, wow, that actually does something. You know, the heaters don't work in them, but like in our RAV4 EV – the seat heaters. They compensated that right. by having amazing seat heaters. And you're like, oh, well, my butt's not cold, so I'm not totally uncomfortable. You know, the heaters aren't blowing anything. But. Yeah, it's ice cubes coming out the defroster, but your buns are warm. That's, what's, that's what counts. Exactly. Uh, news to from Toyota Tundra Land. Uh, this is a story about the upcoming 2022 next-generation Toyota Tundra, which everybody is eagerly awaiting Absolutely. its debut. Uh, this uh, article was in Torque News, which is a site that is uh, not questionable, but they, they kind of compile stuff from all over. Uh, not sure. Kind of a rumor mill here, but uh, things are evolving, and the article says we're about to uh, see a change in the Tundra. You see the next-generation Tundra is coming out in 2022. We really don't know much about specifics, and we expect an official announcement within the next month or so, but time is going to tell. Uh, what is the new engine going to be? That's the big discussion on all the forums and all the uh, you know social media. Everyone's trying to figure out if the current power plant is going to stay with it, which is a 5.7 liter iForce V8. It's gone. It's gone. It's yeah, probably gone. Yeah. That motor has been in there solidly since what, like 2007? 2007, 2007, yeah. It was the 4.6 before that, and they built off of it and made the 5.7. Beautiful oh, four, motor. Four seven. I'm sorry. Four seven to five seven. Four seven to five seven. Okay. Yeah. So the current five seven and the twenty one models makes three hundred eighty one horse, four hundred one pound feet of torque. It's a great power plant. I know from experience, but <laughs> I will say rumors circulating about a twin turbo Toyota Tundra variant for the twenty twenty two model, and there also talk about uh, maybe possibly being a hybrid option, and even keeping the five seven. Although an insider scoop says that's not going to happen. Yeah. So 5.7 and 6-speed is going to give way to probably a twin-turbo 6, and they're saying maybe, what, 8 or 10-speed is what I'm yeah, seeing. Yeah, they're going to raise the uh, transmission ratio. I, I can tell you right now, this is this is the inside skinny right okay. now. You heard it here. I, I may, maybe shouldn't even release this information. We've been told because of the chip shortage going on right now that the Texas plant may be shutting down all production of the V8s, and some of the models are done permanently as of right They're now. They're just out. Yeah, so okay. like the uh, the TRD Sport, I believe, is gone. Oh, wow. Yeah, so if you see one on a lot okay. right now at this minute... Pick it up. Probably need to buy it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's going to move right to the V6. It's it's going to be a V6. The V8 option is completely gone from everything I understand. And I think that's going to be more widespread amongst all the automakers. The, the end of the big V8s, anything big displacement, 
if they don't need to make it, they're not going to make it. And the, the the demand isn't there like it used to be. The tundra is a little bit of an anomaly, I think. It's a dinosaur. It is, and I, that's why I like it. Yeah. I like it because it is the <laughs> biggest V8 that you can find. It's still a normal V8 that's not – it doesn't do the uh, displacement on demand. It doesn't do any kind of cylinder shutdown, fuel management yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just a big V8. Now the trade-off is I'm very, very friendly with British Petroleum. Uh, I love <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love Shell. Yeah. Uh, very good with mobile, uh, but, but at the same time, uh, you'll never see that kind of the, the F-150 crowd or the Silverado crowd. They're just kind of loyal to the brand. Yeah. It seems like the Tundra guys are there because it's like I used to have an F-150. I don't want an EcoBoost. I want this V8. Yeah. Now they're taking the V8 away from me. So there seems to be – are you seeing a lot of flurry of people ordering well, to trying to get 2021s? You know, I, I don't think people understood what was happening. I don't think they understood that the V8 was going away. And yeah. as I've talked to people on, on the showroom and I've talked to them at the service desk – and I've told them, like, if if you're thinking about it, you need to jump on one of these right now. It, whether you buy a, a recently used one sure. or you buy a brand new one, this engine's going away. And we all know, everybody who's in the business knows that that 5.7 engine is probably one of the most rock-solid power plants Toyota's ever made. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Can, I can look at these engines at 300,000 miles and just admire the fact they're clean. Dude. <laughs> and I'm not I'm you know I'm a shill for Toyota. There's yeah, no yeah. doubt about it. But when I get under a used we had an F one fifty we traded in the other day. Maybe the guy never took care of it. But if you never took care of a tundra, you would never see the condition of the engine like this guy had on this F one fifty. I mean oil puke in every direction. Uh it was it was disgusting. And engine noises, unsafe, check engine lights on. I've never seen a Toyota truck like that. Now, you could argue, well, the guys take better care of it because they're a Toyota owner, blah, blah, this, that. Again, I'm telling you, I've seen people disrespect their Toyotas and never have that kind of condition issue. Yeah, and and there is something to be said for the fact that the Tundra, if you, if you strip everything else away from it, even if you're not a huge Toyota fan or anything like that, if you strip all the BS away, that is still one of the most American-built trucks yeah, that you can it was, buy. It was the number one American uh, yeah, quantified by you yep. know, internal parts and all Not that. Yep, made yep, here, yep. but also all the pieces. So I say that to say this. If you're still uh, looking to, to in the market in the next year or two for a truck, I'd still recommend the Tundra. You know, Give the twin turbo V6 a, a try. Whatever they end up putting out there, it's going to be tested. It's going to be good. They don't that, necessarily... I mean, that's the thing about Toyota. Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, every every time we have a new product, whether it's direct injection, new Atkinson cycle engine, or this or that, uh, you know what? They don't have problems with them. I mean, yeah. there's glitches here and there whenever we have a new engine or this or that. Um, but I, I do work for the best manufacturer as far as new products when they come out. They don't they don't just throw stuff out willy nilly. I've yet no. to see Toyota throw something out casually. That doesn't happen. Yeah, and and just see what happens if you're uh, if you but if you are thinking about hey, I want a, a last of the the, yeah. the big dinosaurs here. Yeah, uh, see That's if it. you can get a 2021 it, with it. It really five, is. It's like thinking of a <laughs> 1950s car in the 1970s. Yeah, I mean a big engine. No, no apologies for fuel economy or anything like that. While everybody else is worried about doing this and that and having smaller displacements and fuel economy, that Tundra has just basically said, "Screw you! I, I am what I am." Yeah, and maybe it lacks on Toyota's part. You know, maybe shame on them. But no, but it sells. Yeah. It sells, and I, I've been very happy with mine. So uh, I don't want to trade it in for yeah. 2021 because I'm happy with what I got. Yeah. But I will say, you can take that 5.7 from my cold, dead hand. 
<laughs> uh, Pritzker will just raise the gases so much, you know, yeah, the, right. taxes, you won't, you, right. you won't have a choice. Anyway, in more news of the obvious, getting back to some earlier segments here, the Washington Auto Show has been postponed for 2021, Daryl. How come? Uh, probably COVID. Anyway, oh. Washington Auto Show is postponing the spring event because of the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. Show organizers said on Thursday the event was set for March 26th through April 4th at the Walter E. Washington Convention Center in the nation's capital. Show organizers in August moved the 2021 show for its original dates, January 29th through February 7th, because of the COVID crisis. Duh. That's what I say to that. And I guarantee you the Peoria Auto Show and Chicago Auto Show and everything else will be following suit through the rest of the year, if I had to guess. Right? Probably so. All right. So let's move right on to local news. Yeah, this one here. uh, Eric actually – Spotlighted this guy here, and it, 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 it was in your neighborhood, so I thought you might yeah, know what's going on. I do, I do. Uh, the, the title: This one is from CI Proud, the uh, CBS affiliate here in Peoria. The title of this story: Thirty five hundred sign petitions may save small Peoria businesses from relocating. Uh, basically, I'll summarize this by saying: uh, A Glenhaven shopping center. Uh, it's a nice little strip mall, probably from the fifties, built on the corner of Glen and University in Peoria, is home to seven small businesses, and Club Car Wash intends to build its. Third facility <laughs> in Peoria. Car wa- we love car washes. We, we love them here in Central They're Illinois. They're good for the first year. Yeah, and then after that, it's questionable. In the efforts to save the shopping center, uh, Erica Pamson created a petition on Monday and currently has over 3,500 signatures. During Tuesday's Peoria City Council meeting, the city decided to postpone taking any further action on the site for 30 days, and things are kind of in a holding pattern as they get more public input on the potential, uh, I guess it's a zoning and ordinance kind of variance, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, what do you call it? Planning and zoning appeals sure, board, all sure. that crap. But bottom line is, this car wash has two other facilities, and there is a competitor just down Glen, literally like three blocks away. That's uh, it'd be the red carpet car wash. Who's washing all these cars, man? I don't get it. That's what that's what I was getting. I I don't see clean cars on every corner. Yeah, millennials don't even want to drive, so who's washing their cars? I don't know. I will say that my dad <laughs> loves a good automatic car wash. Much to my chagrin, especially yeah. when they bought their new Explorer. I'm like, don't take this through a car wash. And the first thing they did when they came down to Peoria, said, well, I ran it through a car wash. It was clean before I showed up here. My dad loves him, yeah. a car wash. Now, I hate them. I won't go on them. I don't like brushes. I don't like anything that scratches the finish. I don't want anybody touching the car that isn't like me or my wife. But well, what if it's a robot, Daryl? No. Yeah, Even- I'm going to wash your car. <laughs> <laughs> It would have to make those noises or bleeps and bloops. Yeah, okay. Bloop, 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 bloop. Yeah. yeah. The touchless ones are okay if you need to rinse something off in the wintertime. But seriously, though, we're taking a busy intersection. The biggest part about this one is it's it's the angle of the small businesses that are currently there. There's Relics. There's Mediterranean Mart. There's a Lee's Chinese Garden, which is the best Chinese restaurant in Peoria. Oh, oh okay. I will say that. Right. 100%. Strong, strong words. She gives you free soup, egg drop soup, hot and sour. Even if you don't order it, she's like, I'll give you soup. You huh. go home with soup. Here's nice. soup. No soup for you? Great. No, she never oh, says that, huh? No, no. It's great. Uh, but there's t- <laughs> there's times where I literally I don't want soup and I just they she gives it to you. Damn it! But I got soup. <laughs> the bigger issue I think for this one and the last I don't think it's a club car wash. It's some other three dollar car wash that went in on Knoxville. The issue was how busy of an intersection it was. Oh yeah, I think I heard that part of the argument. Yeah, and it's like, hey, we, this is one of the busiest intersections in the city, and now you're gonna have people coming and going in the winter time. No, everyone loves a car wash too in the winter when they come out and, and they don't blow dry and it's yeah. just ice. Yeah. 
just ice slick all ah, in that road. Got a great survey this last week about a customer who was upset because the uh, drip moldings keep flying out of her Tacoma every oh. time she goes to her car wash. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but your vehicle's made to handle 100 miles an hour winds tops. Yeah. And uh, that wind tunnel thing, they say 300 mile per hour winds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your truck, you're going to have to get out of your vehicle and maybe push those things back in. Well, well that's not that's not acceptable. Well, what do you expect? I don't know. It's know. not natural to have a jet turbine. <laughs> by the way, those new club car washes, yeah. at, at least the one in East Peoria, because yeah. we drive by Costco, we you see it. And it's all they got LEDs. They're lit up. I mean, it's like a a carnival. Yeah. I'm like, who's going to this thing? Well, the red car. No, no. Who's the one on the South Side Peoria has all the lights on it? Oh yeah, that's uh, I can't remember that one. Yeah, yeah well, it's got cool lights too. It's pretty. It's it's impressive. I mean, I'm like a moth sometimes. You give me <laughs> you give me a, a car stop with LEDs and everything lit up. Yeah. I'm pulling in there. I'm not going to the place with the shady lights. You're not going to Loves. No, well, not I, the no. Loves truck stop. If it's a new Loves, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. Anyways, I good, don't. Know. Good luck. The petition was on Change.org, and uh, generally speaking, if you put a 30 day stay on any of these things, it's just so that people will leave the room and they can vote on it later. Right. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, Business yeah. is going to get what they want, and yeah. we're going to have another car wash in Yay, probably six months. So. Good for you. All right. Also, in more local news, I didn't think we'd have two articles, but we do. From Automotive News, this this made national coverage here, Daryl. Mm. The Illinois Senate passed a bill that would place a 36% cap on interest rate charge on loans uh, below $40,000. Drawing concern from dealership and auto finance lenders. Illinois State Legislature passed SB 1792 on January 13th, which includes a provision titled the Predatory Loan Prevention Act, which some experts say will limit credit access to consumers who fail to qualify for lower interest rate terms. It now goes to J.D. Pritzker. I don't know if it's been passed or not. or waiting for his signature. It illustrates a tightrope regulators and government bodies walk in crafting rules that expand credit access for high-risk populations without burying those burrs Burrs, borrowers under insurmountable debt. Daryl, I did a quick calculation. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just say that you and the fair Sarah mm-hmm. go into the dealership, and and let's just say you try and buy a Toyota Century for forty thousand. It's the nicest Century you've ever bought in your life. Sure, but sure. you guys have fallen on hard times. Okay, and so the bank says, you know, we'd like to sell you the Century. Yeah, but your credit risk means you're going to have to pay thirty six percent interest. Wah, wah. Yeah, but we'll give you a five year loan at forty thousand dollars. What do you think you'd pay? I'll take it. Uh, I'm going to say my monthly uh, carry the one sixteen. I'm going to say my monthly payment would probably be five hundred bucks. Uh, no, how about fourteen forty five? Fourteen hundred. Do you want to get gap on that? Yeah, I probably need that. <laughs> Fourteen hundred. Extended warranty either. I'll tell you what. There's a key program. Are there really places charging more than thir- like? Is there a need to cap it at thirty six percent? I mean, at that number, why even buy? It? And, and first, uh, why would you even be buying a card up to forty thousand dollars for thirty six percent? That's insanity. Yeah, yeah you bet. that's yeah. Payday loans aren't that high, are they? I don't think so. I'm not, and I thought maybe they were they, like twenty, and that might be who they're going after. Maybe. Yeah, it's hard to say. But Remember those commercials for Western Sky lending? It was no, like, I don't. <laughs> Let's face it, the money's expensive, but you need the cash now. <laughs> it, like they said flat out in this, and there was like fine print under the. Were they wearing masks, like bandit masks? No, like, yeah. it was a guy who. Let's face it, we're bank robbers, <laughs> but now we're going to give out loans to people who need cars. Hey, at least he's honest. Yeah, exactly. Now, 36% cap, maybe, maybe that's what we need in this state. I don't know. But that yeah, just seems yeah. cray-cray. Anyway, anyway. So that's all the news, and let's move right on. We're uh, booking out here. It is time for your... 
Moment of Musk. Uh, Elon attacked somebody this week. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, Daryl. Physically? No. He, oh, okay. he lost a round versus an Indian American student who sued him. And I'm going to be honest with you, Daryl. Yeah. I, this guy doesn't look like a student to me. This okay. is according to Google News. A California state judge rejected Musk's argument that a suit filed by Randeep Hothi was baseless and should be thrown out in an attempt to silence a billionaire's free speech. The Tesla executive officer failed to turn in the tables on his critic of the company who sued him for defamation. Hothi, a University of Michigan graduate known as Skabushka on Twitter, drew Musk's wrath two years ago after two incidents, both of which Hothi claimed were harmless. The first, in February 19, Hothi was confronted by a security guard when he showed up to do research, he says, at the mm. Tesla sales center in Fremont, California. The second, in April of 19, when Hothi was driving and he spotted a Tesla test car and took pictures of it, after which he posted pictures online. Musk complained about Hothi in an email to the online tech editor describing him as a liar and accused him of almost killing a Tesla employee when he's trying to drive away from the sales center. Hothi claimed that Musk triggered an online hate campaign against him in the complaint he filed in August with Alameda County Superior Court. To date, Hothi has a GoFundMe asking for a goal of $20,000 that has raised him $118,000. In the meantime, if you go to Skabuska at Twitter, you'll find tweets like, I will not rest. This is my promise. Tesla is a zero and Elon Musk will go to prison. And that is your moment of bus. Go to jail, Elon. You know, here's here's my deal. I think sometimes you have like roaches that just like hang around off celebrities' backs. Yeah. And and this guy Like the leave Britney alone guy? Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah, I mean this this Hothi guy has nothing without Elon. <laughs> he's you know he's, would, he, would he be hanging around Bezos? You know where where is he? Is he maybe hanging by the Apple factory too? Like looking for uh, pictures he can take, and then hopefully maybe he stands out in front of the Apple car hoping he gets run over yeah. so he can sue him. And then I don't like know. trip like what do you call them? Slip and fall guys. Yeah, it's yeah. like one of those. <laughs> exactly. I I think in this situation, I, I think Elon runs his mouth too much. He invites this type of stuff, but this guy's obviously going after him. I mean, he's got a following, yeah. and he apparently is making pretty good money at it. His yeah. legal defense fund, one hundred eighteen grand. Yeah, yeah. Could you and make one hundred eighteen grand with uh, a couple of bad tweets? Uh, I, I, I mean, don't, I, that's I, not a challenge. That don't would, do it. Yeah, the one hundred eighteen thousand dollar challenge. Let's <laughs> let's start it, Daryl. Let's see, Jeff at Jeff Bezos. <laughs> You're going to prison. You might be, be on to something. I don't uh, know. I didn't maybe. thought about it. All right. All right. Uh, let's move on to our next section of the show. We're getting long here. Daryl, you, you have gears that have been ground. I do. I do. I was nosing around the uh, social media sites and whatnot and interwebs as I'm wanting to do. Yes, you are. And I noticed a lot of jibber-jabber about <laughs> – I don't know why I'm saying weird <laughs> stuff tonight. What was the thing you said earlier? Hoo-ha Yuck people's yums. Yeah. <laughs> jibber-jabber. I don't know what the hell I'm saying. But uh, Ford Mach-E, Ford Mach-E, the electric Mustang, you say Mustang it, thing. If you say it fast enough, it doesn't even sound like a real car. The Mach-E. No, the Mach-E. It's terrible. Anyways, the Ford Mustang Mach-E, I think that's its full – name. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about the, that. The new EV Mustang. Super cool. 346 horsepower. Station it's, wagon. It's all electric and yeah, it's like this crossover looking thing. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but somebody who bought one actually put some pictures on underneath and the differential cover on this thing. Okay, They actually have its aluminum casting and they actually have cast into that differential housing. Uh, the words that say this, quotes, Electric ponies live here, unquote. 
That's cast forever. In the differential? In the differential. But wouldn't the ponies live in the engine? Well, there's a whole bunch of things that are wrong with this statement. Uh, Uncle Lair, I don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> Number one, yes. Number two, how cute. Number three, how lame. I was going to suggest that there is no Mustang fan, no Mustang owner that would want to willfully have that stuff cast into one of the parts on their car. But I guess maybe there are. Real performance cars, though, to me, Eric, they don't have to advertise that they're powerful. They actually – they just do. They've got a little bark to them. Everyone listens. People take notice of it. This thing, it's like sneaky. It's like, oh, we're, we're clever. It's sneaky. It's powerful. It's full of ponies. No, it's not. It's lame, and it brings us back to what we originally said in the first show. We talked about the Mustang Mach-E concept. We're going to start this new hashtag. It's called hashtag not my Mustang. <laughs> we started that? We did. We that? did. Oh. Hashtag not my Man, Mustang. we were progressive. progressive. It was like a year and a half ago, yeah. whatever it was, because they were talking about, oh, this is going to replace everyone's idea of what a Mustang is. I'm waiting for some guy to, like, powder coat this thing and then, like, bring out the letters. He'll do, like, a red a paint mm. job on the on the diff and then do like white letters on like that raised letter yeah job. oh yeah that'll be excellent yeah who's gonna see that I don't know he's with his pony club to get their jacks out and look underneath there <sighs> maybe yeah. the yeah. only person that's gonna see that is a technician working on it yeah and it's just gonna piss them off every time they gotta tear it apart and do every, something. <laughs> every time they've blown up gears or something or they <laughs> take to, their grinder yeah <laughs> That's what I would do first thing. <laughs> Anyways, not, that's what's been grinding my gears. Hashtag not my Mustang. That's right. Hey, you know what? My gears were just fine this week. I'm in perfect mood. Are you? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Well, that's rare. Yeah. Anyway. Let's keep that up. Yeah, let's go to Cars of the Week, Daryl. Do you know what Cars of the Week is all about? It's about spending money we don't have on things we don't need. Virtually, yeah. though. Virtually. Okay, yeah, so yeah. it's good. I mean, if I would have won that Mega Millions, like we talked about in the pre-show... I probably would have bought a car like this. There's probably no doubt, actually, if this car would have come down. Cars of the Week is where Daryl and I fantasize about vehicles online. Of course, we're always checking things out, peruse them. We get emails from Bring a Trailer. We go on to Suco Craigslist. Once a, once a month. Yeah, I was on there today, actually. I don't, there, I don't know right? why. I don't know why I was there. Anyway, it's half scams, and I and I have been doing my face. I, I do my due diligence every night on Facebook. I still mark ads as scams. There's a 2003 Airstream that's for 800 bucks. You need to mark up. Okay. <laughs> mark that up. Anyway, we go online. We go. We find our dream cars. We fantasize about them. We buy them. We purchase them in our mind. And generally speaking, like I said, every show is two married guys. We show them to our better halves in hopes that maybe just this one time they'll see the value in this car uh, but generally speaking they tell us no so we bought it we paid for it in our brain but we bring it to you here on Cars of the Week it gets, it's long in the tooth but it is what it is Daryl last week I posted my Facebook feed about this beautiful beautiful little Alfa Romeo it's quite possibly the most photogenic car you've ever picked do you think so? I do I do, but continue. Mm. All right, so it's a a Gietta? Julieta. Julieta. Sorry, it's a little little coupe. Uh, there's no headrests. The car's so old that it, it doesn't have headrests on it. You know what's funny? I copied and pasted everything on here, but the year of the car. <laughs> oh, I think it was was it a '66? I think something like that. It was in the mid '60s. Anyway, okay. so it's a little blue car. It's got that awesome Alpha grill on it. It's got the round headlights. Beautiful. It looks like a two-piece front bumper. It's probably one piece. Uh, steel wheels, but it has this black vinyl leather interior with no headrest in it. So it's just a clean look behind the glass. It's a cool little car. Five-speed, unknown miles. It started out on Bring a Trailer for like $6,500. It still had six days left. I posted on my Facebook feed, and a friend of mine said, oh, my dad had a red one of those when I was a kid, and he got rid of it because he couldn't get parts for it. 
His dad was a mechanic too. And it's just like, ugh. You know, I, I didn't know if his dad was around. I'm like, is your dad still around? Because I like to talk to him. He goes, no, he's passed. He's like, because I'd like to have some words with him too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you keep the car? Because when it was all said and done, the car went for $65,000. Whoa. And I don't think it was meant by any means. It says these Barani wheels are 15 inches. I mean, look at those wheels, Daryl. They look like steel wheels, right? Yeah, they look mismatched on that picture too. Maybe they came with it. Uh, you know, I wondered about that too. The back have more holes in the uh, – yeah. Anyway, who yeah. knows? But uh, it's, it's a soft top. It's a cute little coupe. I mean, the thing is, you could buy just a little, a little seventies, you know, coupe from Italy and probably spend set, maybe even five or six thousand dollars and have just as much fun. But there's something about this short wheel. It kind of reminds me of the Benz I picked out years ago, like mm-hmm. two years ago on the show. There's something about these these little short body style convertibles from Europe. I love the look of them. Four-speed yeah. manual. Uh, man, 65 Gs, though, for that car. Just, That's a lot of cabbage. But, yeah. you know, anything Italian right now, especially in that vintage, yeah. without the big headrest, the big goofy 75 or 73 5-mile-an-hour bumpers, yeah. you know, all the things that they started throwing on the uh, the European cars to make them meet crash tests. Because you know, once they start putting those big rubber bumpers yeah. on the spiders and stuff like that, you're like, mm, yeah, it doesn't yeah. have the cool look, does it? No, no. This is the epitome of the classic Italian roadster. And I like the fact that you picked one that's not red. It doesn't scream, hey, I'm Italian, even though the seller's name <laughs> is what? Gabriel <laughs> Muselli. Muselli, yeah. Muselli. I brought the it's a nice name. Irish name. Yeah, right. Uh, right. No, I, I think that's a beautiful car. The Julieta, and I think the Julia was the coupe or something like that. I, they okay. had different names. Uh, there's also the later Spiders, I think, might be a little more affordable than this. So if you're looking, if you got your, yeah. you know. Yeah, I do, virtually. Yeah. Four-wheel yeah. drum brakes. Man. It's that's not. Hot. That's hot. It's. <laughs> tell me about it. No, they're not. They're not too bad. As is, I don't know. I'm surprised though. An Alpha of that vintage wouldn't have. Uh, I'm su- yeah, I'm surprised too. Uh, that car was on Bring a Trailer. It just sold, like I said, sixty five thousand dollars. But uh, I'm sure you can find one yourself for maybe a few dollars cheaper. Daryl, what do you got? All right. Well, I also went old school uh, in this one as well. But I, uh, I actually, this one is something that I have some familiarity with. My friend John. Uh, the Vintage Chevrolet Club, he actually is unloading a car that uh, my dad found for him, actually. My dad found this thing in Chicago. It's a 1950 Chevy Styline Deluxe two-door sedan. And it's a for, for those who aren't that familiar with them, it's not the Bel Air. It's not the, the two-door hardtop. It's not the ritzy convertible, anything like that. It's a plain entry-level two-door sedan, but it has a lot of nice little features in it, including uh, 1950 was the first year that Chevrolet put an automatic transmission in their cars, and it was called the Power Glide, which uh, they ran up until about 1972 or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's two-speed, very basic, inline six-cylinder, uh, the 235, which ran forever and forever, and this thing is is just a really nice survivor car. 61,000-mile cream puff. It's from Illinois, from the Chicago area. And uh, then was shipped down to Florida, spent some time down there. And that's where uh, I actually got to drive it. I went to go visit uh, our buddy John. He's a family friend in the Chevy Club as long as my dad has been, for, you know, for since the 70s. They've known each other a long time. Really nice guy, huge Chevy collector, and he knows his stuff. He's mostly into Impalas, uh, 409 cars, like 60, early 60s stuff. And he's like, I found this thing, and uh, my dad found it, and he's like, that's a nice, clean, original Chevy. It'd be fun to drive around. Now, it's slow. It's, it was, you know, 90 horse or something like that. 
and an automatic. So the thing really didn't – it was a slush box. It didn't go very fast. But <laughs> it was just a fun car. It was like – like you're talking about tree hugger being like a well-worn glove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what this thing was. Original maroon paint. It was a little checked, you know, weather checked from stuff like that. But the chrome was still good. The interior was still clean. And this thing, you just hit the button. Fire it off and just go put it in drive and drive around at 35, 40 all day. Oh, fun. And it was great. I drove, spent some time driving around horse country in Ocala uh, back in 2016. We stopped, had lunch, uh, you know, ate, ate some great seafood and just kept on driving. It was just a wonderful day. If I had room in the garage for yet another vehicle, <laughs> I would purchase this and it is well worth the $12,500 asking price. Easily. Uh, yeah. Easily. I mean, I mean, this one is almost as close to buying as you possibly could for cars of the week. I mean, this is, this is, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I know. It'd be interesting to see what the Scott household uh, gets this summer. He, he, I know you're working really hard at some angles. So. I am. I've got some. I got some irons in the fire. I should have an iron st- sticking up my keister to get some other stuff done. <laughs> <laughs> You know, finish one project before you look at others, but that's just not how uh, yeah. we roll. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right, that's it for an episode of Throwing Wrenches. This is episode forty-three. We've had a great time. Hope you had a great time as well. Um, please share it. Please uh, let everybody know that you love the show. Please get on iTunes and do a review or some other website that asks for reviews. Whatever. I don't even our Facebook page. So a review. We don't care. We'll take whatever we get. And then if you want to email and comment, we'll definitely talk about you on the next show. Okay? Info at throwingwrenches.com. Always love to hear from you. Good, bad, and different. Leave your comments. Uh, we appreciate those. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Yeah. For Throwing Wrenches, this is Eric Stahl. I'm Daryl Scott. See you next time. <laughs>